This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. I love this version of Enter Sandman. This is good stuff. Um, if you are hearing an alternative version of Enter Sandman, that must mean the weekend is in spitting distance. Here we are, and there's a lot to get to. Hunter Biden indicted again, uh, facing nine criminal charges. Uh, President Trump demanding a pause in his D.C. criminal case. A lot of other legal issues. You know, I'm thinking of reconvening one of our legal panels on uh, Monday's program. I'm just trying to figure out if it should be made up of attorneys, if it should be made up of former judges, or if it should be made up of um, one of my favorite categories of people, former attorneys who are also convicted felons. I'm probably leaning towards the latter category, but if you have a strong view... Uh, feel free to let me know via email. Hey, you know what that means? Final show of the week. That means it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. I am prepared to answer your questions on any subject at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Now, if you're new to the program and we're thankful to be gaining new listeners all the time, very grateful to that. Welcome aboard, especially in our uh, newer affiliates that are carrying the show, like uh, the Superstation AM 910 in Detroit, where I got to look at the numbers that that station is doing in Detroit. They are killing it. I mean, it's really extraordinary the amount of growth that we've seen there in just a couple of months, not, not just our show, but the whole lineup, uh, Bill Riley and uh, everybody else that's on the station over there. But if you're new to the show and you're just listening for the first time or you're not sure what this means, it doesn't mean I can answer any question that you might have. Uh, If you ask me, you know, how to split the atom or even how to make your own, um, you know, battery, I can't help you. If you want to know my opinion on anything, I am prepared to offer it at 800-848-9222. You want to know my preferences on something? I am prepared to offer it. You want to know my opinion, my view on something? I'm prepared to offer it. If there's a subject that I don't generally tackle during the week that you feel needs tackling and you can phrase it in the form of a question, then please call 800-848-9222. What it's not for is for you to go on a lengthy diatribe and say, right? It's not for, you know, Frank, this is my opinion of the war in Iraq. This is my opinion on the death penalty. This is my opinion on the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. This is my opinion on congestion pricing. This is my opinion on free speech. And this is who I like for president, right? That's not a question. So if you can have a question which generally begins with statements like what, where, how, do, are, does, when, which, why? Please call. 
And uh, if you come up with an interesting question, the best question this hour, as judged by our illustrious staff of uh, Matt Blaze, Tony, and our program director is in the building today. So we're all going to put our best foot forward. And I think that applies to you, the callers, as well. Then um, whatever they come up with as the best question for the hour, we're going to give you a, are you ready for this? An other side of midnight refrigerator magnet. Technically, it's not an other side of midnight refrigerator magnet. It's a the other side of midnight refrigerator magnet, if that makes makes sense. All right. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Robert in Suffolk. Hi, Robert. Hi, Frank. Good morning. Morning. Has, has Rachel saved any feral cats, turned them into pets? Well, yeah, the the last cat that we have living with us now is a a cat that was that was feral, and uh, she initially started by trying to uh, to foster the cat and get it adopted, but it got along so well with our cat Melchizedek that we that she kept him long before I was in the picture, and um, now she uh, you know she's a part of our family. So yeah, she takes care of uh, feral cats. She feeds them every week. She um, or no, not just every week. She feeds a cat colony every week. She also has special um, facilities set up outside of her house for all the feral and stray cats that live in our neighborhood, so they can eat and drink water. But uh, as far as turning it into pets, yeah. Our, our, our cat Prissy was a feral cat. Yes. Oh, great! I do that too. I, seven out of ten, I've been able to uh, make them into pets. Uh, well, that is very impressive, Robert. I really uh, thank you for that. Uh, seriously, because uh, that is a big problem now in in cities like New York that are overrun with rats. Having a lot of feral cats out on the street is not the worst thing in the world. But in general, there are all these cats that suffer when it's cold, when it's raining, when there are all these adverse weather conditions. Forgetting about um, just having them dodge traffic. I mean, honestly, one of the, to this day, one of the most repulsive things that I've ever witnessed. And one of the things that still makes me sick to my stomach whenever I uh, think back about it is seeing a cat get run over by by a car in the street. This is about 11 years ago. And then it wasn't completely dead right away. And you still heard the sounds of the cat until it got run over by another car. I, I don't want to say I was traumatized by it because I, I, I think I was able to go on and live the rest of my life. But I will absolutely never forget that. That image, that moment, that sound. And uh, because of that, I, I'm very serious about spay-neuter. And I'm very serious. About, I'm, I'm thrilled to be married to someone who takes the business of taking care of stray and feral cats so seriously. 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to Peter in Piscataway. Hello, Peter. Uh, hi, Frank. Frank, back in the day, if, if uh, William Shatter turned down the role of Captain Kirk, do you think Gary Lockwood... Gary Lockwood would have made a good replacement? Um, Well, I don't know. That was always the rumor. And if people aren't familiar with Gary Lockwood, Gary Lockwood was in the uh, second Star Trek pilot, if I'm remembering correctly, where no man has gone before. And there was always the rumor that he was going to play uh, Kirk. You know, honestly, it's, it's very difficult for me to see anyone but Shatner 
making that role his own. Um, you know, uh, Christopher Pine uh, does a good job, but obviously he's kind of just mimicking what Shatner did in the 1960s. And it's funny, I asked, uh, were, were you at, when I did the Q&A with Shatner, were you at those screenings? Yes, I was. You were? Okay, so I don't know if you were at the Red Bank screening or the other one, but the first question that I asked Shatner was, you had such a different approach to playing the captain of the Enterprise than Jeffrey Hunter did. And Jeffrey Hunter, great actor. He's in one of my favorite movies, The Last Hurrah, and he's great as Jesus Christ. But, you know, some people could play Jesus Christ, but it takes a Jew to really be the captain of the Enterprise. And uh, I said to I said to Shatner, I said, Jeffrey Hunter was so serious. You got the impression that he was so weighed down by command, so perpetually conflicted. Uh, Shatner took that basically the same role and he was always smiling even in the face of adversity in the face of difficult times he had sort of a glimmer in his eye and I don't know that the show would have been successful with another actor who took another approach you know there was uh, talk of uh, 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 Lloyd Bridges maybe being the captain Captain Robert April as it was originally um, conceived then obviously Jeffrey Hunter I don't know that the show would have worked, but for Shatner and his unique take on on Kirk, honestly. Are there other people that could have played Kirk? Probably. I don't know that there's anybody that could have done it as well as um, as as him. 800-848-9222. George is in New York City. Hello, George. Hi there. I'm going to ask you a bizarre question. I'm ready. Uh, all right. Now, would you rather be a late former president of the United States or a living Frank Marano. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the, the, the two choices that I have, I can be like, uh, say, George H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan, having been president and be dead, or I can be alive and just be myself? Correct. I mean, George, honestly, that's that's the easiest question that I've gotten in some time. I would absolutely rather be alive and uh, be myself. I have to be honest. I think president, is, I think there's a lot of great things you can do as president, but I think it's a very stressful job. Former president's a great job, but two of my favorite things are being alive and being myself. So if, you, if you're giving me the choice of have those two things or anything else, I'm taking being alive and being frank. I love being alive. Love being frank even more. 800-848-9222. Mike is in New Jersey. Hi, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Frank, uh, thanks again for uh, making me uh, listen. Yeah, well-deserved. Well-deserved. A lot of people said it was long overdue. And um, my question is, I think I sent you an email a while back about the secret to peeling hard-boiled eggs for your Aunt Camille. Did you ever follow up on that or ask her about it? You know, I did not ask her about it. Uh, and honestly, you know, and actually I was just there yesterday. I got a new batch of egg salad. I didn't bring it in for these guys yet. But um, I'm, if there's any left after the weekend, I may bring in some on Monday. I, she, her memory is not the best. So I'm kind of afraid it, to to throw a curveball at it's her. It's a very simple, very simple process. Do you remember what it was? What, was it, wasn't it an ice bath? No, no, no. You you take the egg mm-hmm. and the fat end of the egg. You tap it gently with a back of a you know a um, butter Spoon. knife or right, something okay. until you hear it make a sound like it cracks. And it doesn't actually crack. It breaks the albumin inside the egg. And then when you hard boil them, it makes peeling them so much easier. It comes off in like two, three pieces. You it's know, a really 
It's a very, very uh, simple thing, and it works great. I will try that. The other two things that I uh, that I uh, w- well, one other thing that I recommend is there's these devices. They're called egglets. They're not an advertiser or anything. They should be. And I love these things. You basically crack the egg into a little plastic tube and an egg shaped tube, and then you put it in boiling water and then you have a hard-boiled egg without the shell it's perfect for egg salad it's perfect for deviled eggs and uh it's really it's great but i'll try your method as well mike thank you 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 chris is in the catskills hi chris hey good morning frank uh with a militant progressive Congressman Jamal Bowman's facing a primary challenge from Westchester County Executive um, George Latimer, who's more of a middle-of-the-road Democrat. And then there's a special election coming up in February with Tom Swazi, who's more of a middle-of-the-road conservative Democrat, trying to get his old congressional seat back from George Santos being thrown out of Congress. Who do you see winning those races? And do you think that this is a... Uh, sort of a marker of, of of testing where the bearings are within the Democratic Party in downstate New York as candidates who aren't socialists or militant progressives okay. could lose yeah. in elections? So as far as the special election goes, I think it's actually going to be a very competitive race. I think that district in both Nassau and in that part of Queens uh, it has been trending red. Uh, they're fed up with the migrant crisis. They are fed up with crime. And honestly, they're fed up with that what they perceive to be kind of Manhattan values coming into suburbia. And I think whoever the Republican is, is going to be uh, very well suited in the, in that race. Uh, I think if I if the Republican is state senator Jack Martins, I think he wins the race. If it's uh, someone like, um, you know, Kara uh, Castronova, I think he wins the race. If it's this um, Nassau County legislator that they're talking about running, who's actually a registered Democrat, I think they win the race. I think if it's anybody other than uh, those folks, I think uh, Swazi wins. I think Swazi is knows what it's like to represent that district. Now, he's got to have a lot to answer for. He's going to have to answer for why did you abandon us for what we all told you was a quixotic run for governor. Brag during your run for governor, oh, look at me, I could have run for re-election and won. Instead, I'm running for governor. And why did you leave us with George Santos by doing so? I think Swazi's also going to have to answer for the fact that uh, he was bitterly critical of Kathy Hochul during the gubernatorial campaign and then just this week accepted her endorsement and apparently apologized to her for the tenor of how he campaigned. So I think the question Swazi's going to have to answer and and you know I know Tom Swazi, I like Tom Swazi. Uh I would I would I would have voted for Tom Swazi for governor. I think if Swazi comes on the program, I'm going to ask him this question and I hope he does. Uh, I'm going to ask him, look, how can you on one year, say Kathy Hochul's the worst, we have to do everything to get rid of her, and then the next year, sit by and accept her endorsement like she's to be like she's this important statesman. Weren't all the things that you said about her last year true? And if they were true, how can you sit by and accept their her endorsement? I mean, do you have any principles? So honestly, I think that's anybody's uh, anybody's game as far as that goes. The Latimer Bowman 
race is going to be interesting. I'm not ready to make a prediction on that. I think it's coming down to big money, which is going to be on the side of Latimer, and the energy of the rank and file, which I see being on uh, the side of of Bowman. But uh, that's that's going to be a, an interesting race. I, I really I think both races are going to be very close, and we got a year to go before that Latimer race. So I'm not ready for um, I'm not ready for you know I'm not ready for a prediction on that one. 800-848-9222. Let's say, let me say hello to Neil in Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Uh, 53 years ago, I made love to uh, my date at Sagmore Hill, the home of your famous Teddy Roosevelt idol. Very nice. Yeah. So where is the uh, weirdest place or most unusual place that you've ever made love? Oh, um, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that. I'm going to say, hmm, I mean, obviously, you know, last decade or so, it's been pretty, uh, pretty conventional, mostly beds and things. But when you're younger and, you know, you you don't necessarily, you know, you have to dart around uh, different things and different events. It's a little, a little more exciting to, uh, you know, have, uh, have, make whoopee in odd locations. I'm going to say in a conference room of a, com- you know, of a, a, a place that I worked in. Uh, that's what I'm going to pick. Conference room of a place that I worked in. That's probably the, the weirdest. I know that's not weird by today's standards, but I don't know. For me, it was at least unusual. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Lindbrook. Hi, Joe. Hey, Frank. How are you? I have to ask you a question. Since I grew up in Staten Island, all right, and you always say that you, I mean, how is that congestion pricing going to affect you and everybody else on the island? Well, first you of all, you can't get up the island. Yeah, you I can't mean, get up the island without the four bridges. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna cost me a fortune. Honestly, I wasn't joking uh, when I was on radio with um, Katz and Cosby yesterday, and uh, Borough President Vito Fasella yeah, was on. Yeah, yeah I, I heard I, you. Yeah, I don't know that I could afford to continue coming to work. I mean, it, it, I mean to add another. They're talking about fifteen dollars a day. I, I mean, maybe I could figure out something else. Maybe I'd have to park uptown somewhere and either walk into the congestion pricing zone or uh, take the train into the congestion pricing zone. But it would be an enormous financial burden. I mean, I, I'm already at a point, Joe, where you know I, I am struggling to be honest. And to add another fifteen dollars a day, they say it's only going to be three fifty a day for overnight workers. But if it's if it's fifteen, it's going to be a real struggle. So I would probably have to park outside the congestion pricing zone, which is just it just goes to show you why it's such a joke. This whole plan because I can't be the only one doing that. Now Matt Blaze is probably going to do the same thing. He's probably going to park north of Sixtieth Street, and you're going to just have increased congestion. Outside of the congestion pricing zone. So it's almost like, and, and again, I know this is a little bit of a local issue for people outside of the New York tri-state area, but trust me, if they do this in New York, they're going to try to do this in Baltimore and in countless other cities. It's almost like they've deemed the people that live in and work in and, and, and have businesses south of 60th Street to be the magical people. These people must not be bothered with traffic. Had if anyone deigns to bring a car into the congestion pricing zone of the elitists, the privileged people, 
then they shall be penalized $15. Oh, but if you live north of 16th Street, oh, then we just don't care. You live in the Bronx, Rocklands, that Island, Queens, New Jersey. Oh, forget it. Oh, I mean, it's just, and I know I'm going to be debating this with my brother tonight because my brother is a big advocate of congestion pricing. And it's one of the things that we debate about a great deal. And I just don't know how you tell people that live in areas that aren't well served by mass transit that even though you don't have a cost efficient and a timely manner to get to your job every day, you still now have to pay a tax for the privilege of going to work in, by the way, the city that you're already living in that they are that are already paying taxes to. Oh, and by the way. The entity that um, that it, that money is going to is one of the most mismanaged agencies on the planet, and they're not even bothering to do anything to stamp out fare evasion. Forty percent of the people that take buses in the city in which I live don't pay the fare. So how do you say the, we're not going to make people pay the fare when they hop on the subway or when they get, take the bus, but you... You're going to have to uh, pay for the privilege of going to work. I mean, it's just it's fundamentally unfair and it's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your questions straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight. When you feel like the only kid in town Without a Christmas tree Here's a list of people who are Jewish Just like you and Ah yes, the Hanukkah song Last night was the first night of Hanukkah as we call it in our household, Chanukah. And uh, hopefully, if you're celebrating, you are having a great Hanukkah, and hopefully the first day's presents that you got were nice. We, uh, we, you know, we, we did the Hanukkah blessing. We had a menorah lighting, and, you know, we'll do it. We don't give gifts or anything, but uh, we, we had a good time. All right, we are in the midst of... Ask Frank Anything. The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Let's hear it. What do you got? The more interesting, the more creative, the more out-of-the-box questions, the better. Ray is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, Ray. Hey, Frank. Um, Under which president would you have most likely would have liked to have been vice president? Uh, a, A past president? Yes, yes. And it doesn't matter what century, or it doesn't have to be somebody... No, it doesn't matter. Any president, you're a presidential historian. Mm. You pick the president you would like to have been vice president. Huh, I'm going to say... That's that's a great question. I'm going to say... Hmm. 
I, I, it's a great question, and I'm I'm going through all the presidents in my head and seeing what the kind of the pluses and the minuses of being their vice president would have been. You know, and I know it's an easy answer, and, and if I had a few more minutes to, to think about it, I might come up with a different answer. But I'm going to say Trump, and I'll, I'll tell you why, Ray. Um, honestly, I think that Trump was so poorly served by his advisors. And I think if, uh, you know, there was, and I think what Pence did is he basically flattered Trump for four years and got him to go in much more of an establishment mode and getting a different establishment Republican picks nominated and and uh, named to every aspect of Trump's government. And I, I think that's one of the worst things about the Trump administration is he picked the worst possible people for every job. And I think if I was there as his vice president, I would have convinced him like to think I had a shot at convincing him to pick the people that actually believed in Trumpism, which is something that was far too rare in the first Trump administration. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Joe is in the Queens. Hi, Joe. Yeah, Frank, reference, referencing that earlier phone call as a, a verse and Ecclesiastes, it said, better a live dog than a dead lion. But my question is, uh, the planning fallacy I was reading about, uh, the example they used was like trying to do a paper in school, you know, best case scenario, how much time it'll take, worst case scenario, how much time it will take. And it usually went to the worst case scenario or even uh, worse than that. So just ask you about plans in general and the idea of looking at the worst-case scenario for what you're trying to do and the best-case scenario and things going awry on either. What, what's your opinion on that? I, I, I get I'm not really – I'm familiar with the idea of the planning fallacy. I guess I'm not sure what your question is, though. Yeah, yeah. In other words, like, okay, like, for example, even with public works projects, they give the best-case scenario when they say it'll cost this much. It'll – take this much time this will be the budget right no i i know i understand what that is but i guess i'm still not sure what your question is yes my question is in in your personal life do you see uh that happening where you have a best case scenario on the plan for the weekend or something like that and it and it goes more towards a worst case scenario yeah uh, that's a that's a that's a great question joe i am the worst with this right I, i am the most unrealistic planner that there is every weekend i begin my weekend when i get home today for instance well that's when my weekend begins i begin by making a to-do list of everything that i need to and will accomplish and then sunday night comes around and i have accomplished very little of it because i have applied unrealistic time estimates to how long each of those take so yes i would say i am an unrealistic Planner, I hope that answers your question. 800-848-9222. Maria is in Ossining, uh, hopefully not in the prison up there. Hi, Maria. Oh, hi, Frank. No, I'm not. Good. 
I have two questions. The first one is, I don't hear Bo Deedle on the airwaves anymore. What happened to him? And the second question is, what is your favorite restaurant in all of New York City? Uh, well, let me answer the second question first because that's easy. Uh, my favorite question, restaurant in uh, all of New York City is uh, Michael's of Brooklyn. I, I wish I could go. I went there. I could go there more often. It's a, a, a wonderful place, and uh, I can't wait to get back there, quite frankly. And I'm going to use this as a reminder to uh, my wife to uh, to make plans to go back there. Uh, as far as Bo Deedle goes, I mean, I heard him on with John Katsimatidis a couple of weeks ago, uh, but uh, so I don't know that he, I don't think there's any prohibition or anything, but uh, I don't, I know I don't hear him on the morning show on WABC anymore. I really don't know. If I were to guess, I, I think it would, pro- I, this is just a guess. Sid hasn't shared this with me. Certainly Bo hasn't. Uh, but my guess is that it probably has something to do with the fact that uh, Bo was coming on Sid's show on a weekly basis and just bashing Rupert Murdoch and Fox News and uh, I know that uh, not only Sid but a lot of other people at that radio station go on Fox News pretty often and maybe uh, the Fox News people said you know we're not crazy about the fact that you're hosting this guy that's bashing us each week so uh, that's just my theory that is just a guess uh, that could certainly be wrong but if I had to guess that's what the guess is 800-848-9222 Alfredo is in Newark hello Alfredo Yes, Frank, how are you? Frank, uh, it seems for me like uh, you are a very nice man. Uh, have you ever fight in your life? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, not not. I don't think I've been in one since, uh, not an actual uh, confrontation really since high school. I, um, I was in uh, very close to a bar fight maybe about 14 years ago. Uh, that was after one too many. But uh, no one else was really involved with that. Just some, uh, just a glass door that I ended up breaking. But when I was in high school, I was uh, very prone to, uh, to fisticuffs. Yes. All right. All right, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look back and you, you think just how dumb things are. And I remember there was one incident on a train where uh, a friend of mine was just horsing around and I was wearing gloves because it was winter, it was cold, and I was wearing just winter gloves and uh, my friend, you know, and he was a friend and if I ran into him, I would say hello and greet him these days. I haven't seen him in years, but uh, this young man, David, he's kind of just horsing around and he came over to me and, and I punched him, but because I was wearing gloves, I couldn't tell how hard I had hit him and I felt so bad. He started bleeding. So I guess I hit him pretty hard. So I, you look back at a lot of the stuff that you do when you're in high school or as a teenager in general, and you just think, how dumb. It's so all for nothing. I mean, I just I still get upset about that to think that I hurt this young man. It wasn't a I mean, nothing serious, but just over nothing, over horsing around. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Hi, Frank. Um, I wanted to ask I switch questions. Um, you mentioned I, I, I heard that your wife, Rachel, uh, she got converted to uh, Catholicism. No, no, she did not. Oh, she did not. OK, so let me ask you the other question. I was debating Dominic about this. Um, do you think if Jim McGreevy would throw his hat into the ring for Bob Menendez Senate seat, 
that he would have more than a snowball's chance in hell? And wouldn't it be a great opportunity to thwart the wife of Phil Murphy from opportunistically taking the seat because Bob Menendez. Uh, is, all right. Okay. Uh, so let me answer your question as, as best I can. Uh, the answer is, is no. And um, I've spoken at, at look, Jim McGreevy is a friend of mine and we've talked about the nature of New Jersey politics a great deal. And um, in New Jersey, more than maybe any state in the entire country, the power of the county leadership is enormous. So if you don't get the county line, they put you on the ballot basically in ballot Siberia. So even if people want to vote for you, it's very difficult for them to even find you on the ballot. I I can send you some examples of what the ballot looks like for the candidates that win, that run off the line. So McGreevy would be... Uh, so far to the right of the ballot that you couldn't even find him if you were a casual Democratic voter. And so unless you have boatloads of money, it's very difficult to run off the line. And McGreevy's told me this. He said, whoever wins the gubernatorial primary, it's going to be the person backed by the most county leaders. McGreevy would only maybe have the backing of one county, and that is not enough to battle, uh, run, run off the line, especially when you have somebody with Tammy Murphy's money. So, uh, so no. And, you know, I, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this anecdote, but Jim McGreevy talks when we spoke about the power of the county line and of the county leadership in this uh i know he's gonna get I'm, he's gonna be sour at me for sharing this but I'll, okay i started down this road i have to finish it when he told me about the power of the county line and this is maybe a year ago and how difficult it is to run if you're not the hand-picked candidate of the party bosses which mcgreevy would not be he said i had to kiss so much ass of the county leaders when i ran for governor my lips are still sore 20 years later. And he is not in a position to be the choice of the county line and uh, th- these days because Tammy Murphy is going to do the same thing that Phil Murphy did. He's go- she's going to essentially buy off all of the local county organizations. Now, I think that's a shame. And the Supreme Court had the opportunity to weigh in on the county line system. They chose not to. It's one of the worst electoral systems in the entire country. It is possible to win an election running off the line. Very rare. In my lifetime, the only candidate I know of that's done it in the history of the state of New Jersey or in my lifetime in the state of New Jersey is uh, Brett Schundler. And then he went on to lose the general election. So I think it's very, very difficult to run offline. 800-848-9222 if you have a question. We have two open lines if you want to jump on board with a question. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Sing and dance and it don't walk. 
long as I can have you here with me, I'd much rather be forever in blue jeans. Neil Diamond singing Forever in Blue Jeans. This is a birthday bumper music selection from my friend Serena, who is a very accomplished person in her own law, in her own right as an attorney. Uh, but she also happens to be the uh, fiancé and domestic partner of my friend and former congressman Dan Donovan, a big listener to the show and a great person. Happy birthday to Serena Stonick. Hopefully it is a great one. She's a wonderful mom and a great person. Great grandparent as well. 800-848-9222. We are doing... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ah, this is my buddy Mike in Manhattan. Hey, Mike, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing uh, just dandy. I can see that. Uh, you're growing into a national audience, even bigger, huh? We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Uh, what's <laughs> uh, what's on your mind, Mike? I have a pet peeve, and I want your opinion on it. Uh, all the new, it seems like 90% of the new underwear that's come are. And I, well, I think the designers are trying to make us into women that we have to sit down to pee. <laughs> Uh, Mike, I have to tell you, I completely agree. I've noticed the same thre- same thing. I think they call it closed front underwear, and without the opening in the front, and or with you know without a fly. And right. I, I don't know why they do it. I don't know if it's for a sleeker appearance or a more streamlined style. It's ludicrous from a practical uh, I think perspective. They have women designing the stuff. Uh, you know, it must be. That was always the complaint women had about men's, uh, you know, that uh, women had saying men were designing their clothes. I, I think you might be on to something. I think it's just terrible. I think it is absolutely absurd uh, from a practical perspective, from a fashion perspective. It makes no sense to me, but I've noticed the same trend that you have, Mike. You're right on the money. So so what we need to do is have a boycott, and all men refuse to buy the new underwear. I'm with you. Uh, sign me up for that one. I don't like to encourage boycotts. I am with you on that one. Brandon's in New Jersey. What's your question, Brandon? All right, we're jumping in our time machine to the 1960s. Frank Morano is the manager of Little Stevie Wonder. Stevie turns to you and says, you know, Frank, I want to write a song about a rainbow. Can you explain it to me? Mm. What do you say? Um, and I guess this could apply to any blind person, right? It could, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. So how would you describe a rainbow to a blind person? All right. So I would say a rainbow is like a bridge made of colors in the sky. It's like someone painted the air with bands of sunlight with each band kind of having its own feeling. You know, and if you look at the colors, you know, red could be maybe a feeling of warmth like the sun. Orange might feel uh, kind of bright and energetic, um, like a you know, like a, a a feeling of happiness. Yellow is I, I don't know how you describe yellow. I don't know what kind of feeling yellow has. I, I'll say yellow is is gentle and inoffensive 
and then green is um, green is, is is fresh and vibrant, kind of like the smell of grass after a rainfall. So I would try to describe the feelings of each color that uh, that the that are in the rainbow. Thanks, Brandon. 800-848-9222. Dave is in Lockport. Hi, Dave. Hi, Frank. Hey, uh, my question is, if you were God, uh, what would you, what thing or things would you do to fix the world? Or would you just scrap it and start over as a worthless project? No, first of all, uh, I mean, they tried that with uh, with Noah's Ark, and I think even even God regretted that. So, no, I would not do that. I think the world's a great place. I uh, I, I don't think it's irredeemable at all. I wish uh, people would be nice to nicer to one another, but I think, you know, one of the things that God gave all of us is, uh, you know, I believe anyway, some people believe in predestination, but I think God gave everybody free will to make these kinds of choices. But the question you ask is such a good one. If I'm God, I am eliminating, obliterating, destroying mosquitoes. This is the most deadly animal on the face of the earth. They are a major pestilence that needs to be obliterated. And if I were God, they would be they would be gone. They would cease to exist. They would be a, a distant Memory. There's a wonderful short film. I think it's on YouTube. It it was nominated for best uh, best short maybe 12 years ago in the Oscars. It's called The Vorlon Problem. See that film if you could find it. You might have to pay even two dollars for it somewhere. It's worth it. It's a fun 11 minutes. Really thought provoking. But after you watch that 11 minutes, The Vorlon Problem, you'll understand the reference that I'm about to make. If I were God. And because God is a character in that film, if I were God, the um, if I were God, mosquitoes would be exactly the same place that Belgium is at the end of that film. I'll leave it there. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Two open lines. If you have a question, Bob is in Manorville. Hello, Bob. Hello. Um, first of all, does your show broadcast in California? Only online. We're not on any terrestrial radio stations out okay. there. Okay. Um, my question is, do you think In-N-Out Burger will ever make it to New York or Carl's Jr.? And uh, what is the reason, like, a good restaurants or um, businesses take forever to get to New York? Like, they pick, like, New York State last. You know, I, I, that's a good question. I mean, I heard that complaint about a number of places, including um, including Chick Fil A. I don't, I, you know, I think In and Out would do very well in New York. The enthusiasm that people have for uh, In and Out Burger is extraordinary. Um, but as to, as far as why it's not out east, I don't know. I don't know. That's one that I'd have to look into. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm sure there is an answer, and I know it's growing, but it's mostly Western. But um, Oh, you know, I, I just I'm trying to Google this here. They the they have a strict policy of serving their food fresh from their own facilities, and they have a refusal to franchise like other burger chains, like a McDonald's or a Burger King. So I guess they own all of that. So it's the combination of freshness, distribution, and franchising. That's why uh, the owners don't want to make the trip all the way from California to Brooklyn to make sure they have fresh 
burgers and fries and stuff. All right. Three uh, open lines if you have a question, if you weren't able to get through earlier. If we run out of questions, I have a bunch of email questions that we'll get to. But uh, usually I like to save those for Tuesdays. But if you have ever dreamt of having a question answered, now's the time. Three open lines. 800-848-9222. Stan is in Astoria. What's your question, Stan? Good morning, Frank. How you doing? Happy holidays. Uh, happy holidays to you. Uh, I was interested in finding out when is the holiday Christmas or holiday bumper music going to be starting? Well, we've been mixing it in. Uh, we've been mixing it in. We played, you know, uh, you know, we we do. I, I'd say at least a Christmas song or two every day. We have some on our list today. So I think the closer that we get to Christmas, the more uh, the more Christmas and holiday bumper music that you'll be hearing. And look, even just this hour, we played uh, the Hanukkah song, which is which certainly is uh, is indicative of holiday music. So I think you'll be hearing a lot more. Frank, can I ask you two things? Another thing about the the bumper music specifically, but I have a suggestion for one of the Christmas songs that would be great. It would fit in great with the show. Sure. Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren's Christmas Old Lang Syne. Have you heard it? I have, and you're right. I think that would be would be great. We'll definitely play it. And then the Doug McIntyre style music that used to have when the show began three years ago. You seem to have moved away from that. Is that a, is the reason for moving away from the Doug McIntyre style of music? Is it to capture a new and younger audience? No, no, not at all. No, I, I mean, one, we played all the songs that uh, Doug gave us. And uh, when I was still able to pick the music, uh, my goal in the early days of this show was not to repeat any bumper music, to have every day have people hear new music, because even if you didn't like what I was saying, you would hear new music. Unfortunately, there's currently a moratorium on getting rights to songs. Uh, so we kind of have to live within the limits of what songs we have the rights to for now hopefully after the new year we'll be able to expand our music library a little bit and get some more more songs but no doug has great taste in music and uh we still play uh, some of the songs that he that he suggested from from time to time 800-848-9222 if you want to get a question in the next five minutes we have two open lines igor is in new jersey hello igor Greetings, Frank. You know, one of the things I think you do so well is is take criticism, and you seem to roll right off your back. And I wanted to ask you about one of your mentors and, and friends, Joe Franklin, who I think, if I have it right, Frank, he ended up suing the National Lampoon over what he thought was a disparaging, disparaging uh, comic strip that featured him. And I think he also sued Uncle Floyd, the, the New Jersey local performer who obviously you have ties to as well for his portrayal of him, Joe Frankfurter. Did Joe Franklin ever talk to you about why he brought those suits and why he may not have brought a suit against somebody like Billy Crystal when he did his Saturday Night Live imitation? Uh, so I'm sure Joe and I did speak about that. I don't remember exactly what he said. Your your, your memory is accurate. He did sue... Uh, National Lampoon for the comic strip that they put out called The Incredible Shrinking Joe Franklin, which showed Joe basically growing progressively smaller in front of his guests. And it was actually pretty funny. And as far as the um, the Joe, the Joe Frankfurter thing, and, and obviously both of these were thrown out. Uh, he Joe lost both of these. And I think they might have actually both just been for publicity, honestly. I, I think I, I don't think Joe thought either of them had a chance of succeeding. Joe was very self-deprecating. He had a very good sense of humor about himself most of the time. Not always, most of the time. I'll tell you, um, as far as Saturday Night Live goes, the 
the first person that wanted to play Joe Franklin on Saturday Night Live was not Billy Crystal. The first person that wanted to play Joe Franklin on Saturday Night Live was Joe Piscopo. And Joe Piscopo is the most respectful person in the world still to this day. I mean, much more so than I am or anybody that I've ever met. He will call the person that he's going to satirize and basically get their permission. He did that with Frank Sinatra. He's done that with others. So he had this sketch that he was going to do for uh, for Joe Franklin. And <laughs> Joe Piscopo calls Joe Franklin up. And basically tells him that he's going to be, you know, he's going to be playing Joe Franklin on Saturday Night Live. And Joe Franklin tells him, I don't know if he had an understanding of what the sketch was going to be like, but he didn't want to be made fun of. So he told Joe Piscopo, you know, eh, Joe, it's uh, it's not a good idea. I uh, be honest with you, I wouldn't do it. I have some very powerful friends. And, you know, the, all the other writers and actors on Saturday Night Live would then bust Joe Piscopo's chops on, on that. One, Piscopo didn't do it, but they put up a picture of Joe Franklin in Joe's off, Joe Piscopo's office at Saturday Night Live with a, a little caption underneath the picture saying, um, Joe Franklin says, I'm going to break your legs, which, of course, he never said. <laughs> but that was the implied uh, threat that those guys co- construed it. I don't know why Joe did it, but it, knowing Joe as I did, I think it was for publicity. That's my guess. And you know, look, sometimes people just don't, make, look, don't like being made fun of. You think everybody's like me and, uh, enjoy, and enjoys having people poke fun at them? Uh, 800-848-9222. If we can get one last question in here, I would like to. Bobby's in Jersey City. Hello, Bobby. Thanks for taking the call, Frank. Frank, if you could be a witness to any event in history, eyewitness, what would you like to be at? Ooh, um, there's so many good ones. Uh, I, I'm, You know, I, I would like to say the... Uh, I'm tempted to say the crucifixion of of Jesus Christ, uh, just because there's so many alternative. You know, I'm going to say the moon landing, Apollo 11, the moon landing, but on the moon with those guys, because that's just not that's not just American history. That's not just uh, Earth history. That's intergalactic history, practically. I'm picking Apollo 11. Matt Plays, winner. Ray in the Bronx, your VP. Ray in the Bronx, call in. You won a prize. To be continued.